When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Emma here, and today we have a special guest, Rachel Harrison, to discuss her new book, Such Sharp Teeth. This is out on Tuesday, October 4th. Welcome, Rachel. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Well, welcome back. We're excited to have you return to the Professional Book Nerds with some new faces. Joe yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Also here. Hi. <laughs> uh, so you've written a few books since you were last on the podcast, including your new one, Such Sharp Teeth. So to start, what can you tell our listeners about this new book? It's funny. I should have called it titled it something different because every <laughs> it's such a hard title to say. Such sharp. Sure. <laughs> um, it's about Rory Morris, who is um fiercely independent woman, very successful in her late 20s. And um she lives in Manhattan and has this New York City fast life that she's loving. But her twin sister, Scarlett, who stayed back in their hometown, is pregnant and um recently split from her longtime partner. And so she calls up Rory and asks her to come home. And Rory wouldn't do this for anyone but Scarlett. They're very close. And within a week of being back in her hometown, Rory go takes herself out for a drink and runs into Ian, who um, was a friend who like always had a crush on Rory. And Rory, everybody knew it, but Rory wasn't really into it. And she's like, doesn't really do relationships, but maybe now there's something there, a spark that she's kind of trying to figure out. But on the way home from that meeting, she hits something with her car. And when she gets out to investigate, she is attacked. And from there, she starts to experience some physical changes that force her to confront um, some internal emotional issues that she's been running from for her entire life. Um, and it's part body horror, part rom-com, and uh, yeah, there's werewolves. <laughs> no spoiler to say there's werewolves. No spoilers, there's werewolves, and it is not Twilight. Uh, I always seem to turn up when there's Twilight involved. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to watch out for those men in the small town. They will always get you. The will-they-won't-they they ones. <laughs> uh, what was your inspiration for, I'm going to try to say it now, such sharp teeth? <laughs> you yeah, did put hard. all the right letters together. <laughs> and why did you choose a werewolf story? Um, so I got the idea... Where I get all my best ideas in the shower. And I was thinking about just being in my body and um I and how exhausting it is <laughs> to have a body and take care of the body and all of the fun issues that come up <laughs> around your body. And I was thinking 
And then it kind of just occurred to me, like, how come there aren't more lady werewolf stories? Like there seemed to be so many parallels there. And um, I kind of was like, it would be really cool to have a contemporary adult female werewolf story. And the idea kind of spun from there. And um, I wrote this book super, like I drafted this book super fast. It just kind of poured out of me and it was the most fun I've ever had when writing. Um, And I think more of the nuanced um, issues, I guess, kind of, I, I found in retrospect, I didn't really have a lot of intention for some of the um, more emotional mm-hmm. details of the book. Um, they just sort of spilled out. It was kind of the concept that came first. Like, oh, I want to write like a really cool feminine werewolf story. And then um, yeah. from that came a lot of like um, of the more emotional notes in the book. Yeah, you start with a lot of introspection just to come up with the idea. I mean, the thought alone of of just keeping your body going is is a great point of inspiration. And and to go from there and just think of of all those nuances. I can't even imagine what what was this like to have to examine those parts of yourself maybe after you got through that first draft, you're editing and now you're thinking of the emotions that have come up. Like what was what was that like for you and how did you ground yourself? I'm still not doing a great job. Like the book comes out on Tuesday and I'm like, mm-hmm. like uh, <laughs> my first, for the first two books that I released and I released a short story collection recently, I felt ready. Like mm-hmm. when it was time, like I'm ready to let this go. And for this book, I'm like, it's coming out Tuesday and I'm not ready. Um, and just even, you know, when I sat down and I was like, okay, you're going to go on podcasts and you're going to have some events and people are going to be asking you questions, mm-hmm. just being like completely frozen when it comes to talking about this book, just because yeah. I think looking back on it, there's a lot to talk about and there's a lot of like subtle personal things that mm-hmm. come out in writing. And so I I explore a lot through fiction, so I don't have to confront it in reality. And then now I'm kind of having to confront some of the stuff in reality. And I'm just like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> so I wish I had a more articulate answer than me just being like, very like a Kathy comic, like, ah! but like, I just like, don't know. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. should probably get a therapist instead of just writing, <laughs> writing through all my issues. <laughs> I mean, it's it's coming out in ways that work. So yeah. uh, maybe for the long run for you, we always yeah. recommend therapy. But <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with being a Kathy cop. <laughs> I'm I'm in full support of Kathy. <laughs> Me too. And so that's really interesting that you said that. Just the examination of your body and all of these things. I thought a lot and felt a lot when I read this book, and. There was a lot of, you know, relationships and parallels. That's the word. There were a lot of parallels between Scarlett and Rory in their journeys, which I don't know that I would have thought initially, but pregnancy and transforming into a werewolf. uh, There were a lot of things there that felt very similar. And what I enjoyed, you know, was um, Rory's going through these things that she can't talk about particularly. Uh, but in a similar way, Scarlett is going through going through things that she feels like she also can't talk about. 
And so I'm curious what made you want to write about that in more detail. These both seemingly, you know, transformative experiences that both of these women are going through where you feel like you can't talk about it or you can't get into any of the details about what your body or your mind go through with these big transformations. You have to kind of keep everything hidden and contained and and just kind of press on. And I, I thought that the parallels, again, between pregnancy and werewolfdom uh, were oddly similar um, as someone who had had a child a couple of years ago. There are a lot of things you don't talk about. I think what always strikes me about body horror is whatever you experience in your body, you experience it alone. It doesn't matter if somebody has the same illness or the same, you know, has the same condition, whatever they're going through, um, you know, you are going to experience it in a way that's very specific to you that you can talk to somebody about, but they might not get how it feels. And so that is very scary to me, especially I'm a um, control freak. And so just a lot of my (laughs) horror has to deal with lack of control, losing control and um, not having control over your body is so we don't, we don't have control over our body for a lot of things. And that's very scary. And so I think lycanthropy and that lack of control was a very easy connection to make. And then Rory and Scarlett are twins. So that's like as similar as you can get to being in the same body. And the tension of experiencing a change that you can kind of relate to the other person enough that they can say, I can relate. And then you can say, well, actually you you can't because you're not experiencing the specific thing that I am. And the tension between that and how frustrating it can be to be like, you're going through something and I'm going through something and we can connect on the fact that we're both experiencing it, but it's different. And I'm not going to be able to ever feel what you feel. And you're not ever going to be able to feel what I feel and how difficult that is. And it's not something that we talk about a lot. And I think there's a lot of shame when it comes to our bodies and, um, bodies are weird and gross. (laughs) And so you don't want to talk about some stuff that you just keep in and it can be frustrating and it can be a lot to carry. Yeah, I agree. And I think just relating it to like pregnancy, because I, spoiler, can't relate to the werewolf stuff. um, It's just that there were a lot of things I felt like I wanted to have known prior to going into it. And nobody told me, or it was just like, wasn't common knowledge. And so I do think, uh, I love what you said about how you can, you can kind of relate to the experience, but you really can't because you're the only one that's going through all of those things. And I'm glad you mentioned the twin thing, because that was the question I had is, is if the choice for them being twins was purposeful as opposed to just sisters, if that sort of, you know, ratchets up the bond and then also like the dynamic of, of the same body. It was mostly just because I want, like, that's as close as you can get is to, like, being in the same body as somebody else is to be identical twins. Um, and still, like, we could be that close to, you know, our physical composition could be that close and we still can't 
I still am alone in my skin and you're still alone in yours. Um, and I think also it's really frustrating too, when someone's like, oh, well, I've been through that, or I've had that sickness or, you know, well, you know, well, with my pregnancy, it wasn't like this. And it's just like, well, this is what it's like for me. And that's really, that's a tough thing that I think we experience as humans that is just a fact of life that we can't really escape where, you know, like, well, I have a headache. Well, the headache you have is going to be different than the headache I had and someone else just being like, oh, just take some Advil. It's like, well, my headache is different than your headache. It's just, you know, weird stuff like that about how exhausting it is to to be a person, I guess. <laughs> a lot of venting that frustrations through my lycanthropy. Absolutely. And and a lot of us, you know, can't take that Advil because then it's gonna upset the tummy and then it's <laughs> gonna do a thousand other things. Like it it is such an interesting call out. Uh, to to say that like right not every pregnancy is the same and and we really don't allow anyone to be vulnerable in that way it's a sign of weakness it seems like in our society here in america of like don't tell me about your chronic illness don't tell me about xyz and that's something i'm grateful for seeing on tiktok a lot of people sharing their stories and sharing what their experiences are like are you inspired by anything specifically that you see online or in pop culture that encourages you to share um, kind of your own pains and and your own relationships to life in, in your work? I think I like to be creative and then mm -hmm. write and then I realize that I've shared things that I don't want to talk about. <laughs> like I'm very, um, I'm very much like Rory in the sense where if something happens, I'm a like, let's sweep this under the rug and never mm -hmm. talk about it again. Um, and then I write fiction that kind of confronts certain things. And I'm like, Ooh, this is a weird loophole that I did not see coming. Um, so I, I have a lot of respect for people who can be open about their personal lives or their experiences or um, their bodies, because I am very repressed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, and I, I, I'm a hypocrite because I'm like, it's important to talk about these things. But then when it comes to me, I'm like, maybe I'll talk to a friend who I've had for 10 years <laughs> mm -hmm. who would be like, I never do this. Like my, oh, yeah. one of my best friends who I saw recently was like, do you wear glasses? And I was like, yes. Like I work, contacts every day she was like well let me see your glasses and she was like you can't see at all and I was like no but she didn't know that about me so I like I don't know I'm very like protective over my yeah. privacy I guess um and the kind of only way that I kind of want to relate to people is through fiction because it feels mm -hmm. safe so I have a lot of respect for people who can be open because I really struggle with that um yeah. At the end of the day, you can always say, "Oh, that's just my character." You don't have yeah. to. You don't have to let it be you. I it's, get it. Yeah, it's a buffer. It's a very <laughs> totally. safe buffer. Um, I and I don't know if that will change. I get mm -hmm. very like I'm. I really struggle with wanting to connect with people and being terrified of being seen. Like that's kind of the space I operate in and that's kind of why I write fiction. <laughs> yeah. I kind of speaking along that same line, especially considering the pandemic and what a wild last few years it's been. 
How has your writing process changed over time and how has what you've shared even changed over time? So I, during the pandemic, I left my job. They were downsizing and was just like writing was on the wall. So Mm -hmm. I left my job and I moved from Brooklyn to Western New York and I had intended to get a different job, but because of the pandemic, I just started writing full time. So the way my writing process has changed is I just have more time. I still get up early. Like I wrote the return and the first draft of Cackle at like 4.35 in the morning because I had my job and all that. So now it's a little bit more lax (laughs) and I get up at six and I um, have, so I have more time to write. And so in that sense, it's changed. But the process is pretty much the same. I'm an intense drafter. Like I mm-hmm. get like a downdraft and then edit from there. Um, in terms of what I've shared, it's hard because I feel like I'm c- kind of confronting this now. It happened the other day where I'm like, okay, I'm going back into the world and seeing my friends again and then feeling the like sneak grief of having not seen them for so long because since I moved, I was even further away from people um, and I didn't get to make new connections because there was like, I didn't know anyone where I moved and there was like no way to go and meet people because we were all isolating. Um, So I think like a sense of self has been very difficult to maintain for me. And I don't know for other people during the pandemic, because I left my job. So I didn't have that like satisfy satisfaction of um mm-hmm. uh you know checking things off the list and um I'm a Virgo so I like to be told I do a good job and um all that kind of thing where in writing you don't really have someone at the end of the day to be like well thank you for this you know it's just you alone in your yeah. voice um and having your friends around you to kind of remind you who you are and your personality in that sense so I felt pretty unmoored and just lose like kind of unsure of myself. So I've been sure. I think in fiction, you can find pieces of who you are again. Um, But in terms of sharing, it's kind of like, well, I don't even know who I am Mm -hmm. to be able to like convey that to other people. So it's, it's really just been finding pieces of myself through the characters that I write and being like, oh yeah, like that's me. Like that, (laughs) her in that scene, that's me. Um, And getting a little bit of sense of self from that and being like, oh, I can connect to that and hoping I can, you know, connect to readers, which, you know, you get a a little bit of confidence from that and can kind of build back up from there. And when we're lucky, we have this great online space where readers can get directly to you and there's a lot of a lot of fun new avenues that I as a reader appreciate uh you know just stepping outside of the role of a podcaster being able to still connect with my favorite authors in different ways as well yeah we love to hear it (laughs) right (laughs) nice messages (laughs) I think that's what I've heard the most just doing this is like no I please send the email to the email in my website like I want to hear what you thought but if it's nice (laughs) the mean people won't hesitate so the nice people shouldn't either (laughs) right right exactly our bodies come in different shapes and sizes so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too 
That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. I will say I thought that a lot of the things in this book I connected to and related to because it has been a really weird couple of years where I think everyone in some way, shape or form has gone through some significant changes. Like things are not what they used to be. And so this, this story made me think about that. And I think that's so true is like finding a sense of self in amidst all of the the things that have maybe been stripped away from the last couple of years where like we weren't socializing as much, we like maybe jobs changed or circumstances changed, you know, basically the way we did everything changed. And I related to a lot of those things in this where you kind of see Rory obviously going through something quite major, um, but then also maybe opening herself up to some things that she didn't think about prior um, you know, in her, in her former life, uh, without giving anything away for the plot. I'm interested to know, how did you make this horror book feel cozy? Um, there's just a lot of really great conversation and relationships between characters. And I, I just really did love Rory and Ian kind of, and their banter back and forth. Um, but there is like some, there's just a lot of cozy feels um, amidst all of the other, you know, sort of body horror and and gore. And I'm just interested in how how do you do that? It's I loved it. It was so good. And I'm just wondering <laughs> if that if there was a method to inserting some of those cozy, charming moments in between some of the other chaos. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of people describe Cackle, which is my last book, as cozy too, like cozy horror. Um, and it wasn't my, I mean, Cackle definitely is very like cottage witch vibes, um, but it's not something I set out to do, but I think the two books that I worked on during the pandemic, which were Cackle and Such Sharp Teeth, there is more of a a balance between the scary stuff and then um, some of the more emotional, maybe like fun and like 
heart-wrenching stuff. And I think that's because I just wanted a break from the bleak. Um, my, the return, my first book, it came out in March, 2020. So at the beginning of the pandemic, but I'd written it before that. And that book is much darker because the world wasn't quite, <laughs> I mean, it was bleak, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't so bleak. Um, and I think just sitting in the pandemic, it's just writing is fun and it's an escape. And I didn't want to create a world that wasn't going to be fun to exist in or to have that escapism. You know, I read fiction to escape. I watch, you know, TV and movies to escape and to not walk away and feel heavier <laughs> than I did before going in. So having that balance and such sharp, such sharp teeth kind of came naturally just because I wasn't like, I didn't set, sit down and be like, I'm going to write like an uplifting tale. Um, it just was, I just didn't want to sit in any more darkness. Like there was things I wanted to confront, but I wasn't going to make it so bleak that when I sat down to write, I was in a bad place. Like I write. So when I'm done writing, I can walk away and feel good. <laughs> Otherwise, why am I doing this? Um, so that's where it came from. And I think I like the balance in my fiction. I don't, I don't want to sit down and I like confronting, I like being scared and I like confronting things, but I don't want to close the book and feel like, Ugh. <laughs> if I wanted to do that, I'd watch the news. <laughs> I mean, too true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that that's important. And I love that that was kind of the intention. I will say for people that listen to the podcast regularly, I talk about romance books a lot, and that's been a recent change in my reading taste pretty much from the last couple of years, because I truly don't want to read anything that doesn't have like a light and fluffy ending. And so, but there was something so compelling and captivating about your book that I was so happy to see that balance um, and see that there were things that the characters are going through. There are things that they're trying to work through and confront um, and kind of come to terms with, but that there was just that nice, like cozy element and the relationships between characters were so strong that that really, in my mind, helped me feel that like those moments of levity or those moments of comedy between those people, despite all of the things that people are working through. And I think that that's true to life. I mean, hopefully things aren't always super dark or super light. It is kind of just a nice balance. So I loved that in this book. It was fantastic. Thank I, you. <laughs> it's it's so good. I've already recommended it to every person that I know. Um, and they, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> they fortunately don't have to wait too long um, for it to come out. Yeah, we are almost there. Mm -hmm. um, but you had shared earlier, Rachel, that, you know, this was kind of that writing for you as part of the ways that you share those, those internal emotions. Um, but knowing that you are trying to create a happy space to escape to, even while you write, um, how are you building your, your settings and your characters? Do you feel like uh, while you're writing and while you're working on these projects that they are people in your life, that they are these friends that you're kind of like with while you write or... Is, is there, what's kind of that process like for you? I'm a former theater kid. So I <laughs> kind of <laughs> write, all my books start character first, where I kind of get into character and then I write in 
character. Like when I sit down at the keyboard, I'm Rory. Um, and so there's that other level of escapism where it's kind of like playing pretend. Um, and from there, the rest of the the book kind of comes together. But if I don't have that voice, that that character to sit down with, it's not going to work. Um, and then everything kind of is built around my protagonist, um, the other characters, you know, their personalities, things like that, the setting. Um, what's going to complement? Where could I see this person? Um, what are they about? Um, and so it all comes comes from that. And I think for my last two books too. Um, the main characters use humor as a coping mechanism, which mm-hmm. is something that I do. Um, so I think part of the the levity comes from that. In, in Cackle, Annie was a bit self-deprecating. And so that was that kind of humor. And in this book, um, Rory's just a little bit more sassy and sarcastic and kind of uses humor as a as a buffer in that way definitely guilty of that myself. Uh, (laughs) Now, speaking on your writing, what is your ideal writing setup? What do you have to have with you? Um, What's the sound like? What are the snacks like? I want to know all about it. (laughs) Quiet is ideal for me. I'm I'm easily distracted. So um, I like my quiet. Um, And then usually a hot beverage or like an array of beverage. (laughs) You've seen me in the Zoom. I've had like three different cups come <laughs> yeah. up at some point. <laughs> yeah, there's like um, hot beverage, cold beverage. Uh, so I'm, I finally got an office, which is exciting. That is but, exciting. Uh, my first three books I wrote on the couch. So um, this is like a big upgrade for me. Um, but I can pretty much write anywhere as long as it is quiet and I write better earlier in the morning. Cause I feel like as the day goes on, uh, I just become less and less coherent. <laughs> yeah. When I wake up, I have like a cup of coffee. I have energy, yeah. the clarity. And then as the day goes on, uh, it's just, yeah. By 4 PM, there's not a lot going on upstairs. So oh, you're talking to the two early birds <laughs> of the podcast. Okay. <laughs> we both start like 7 a.m. We're online messaging each other back and forth. And uh, by the end of the day, we're both like, I hope no one needs any help because yeah. I am now useless. <laughs> no. Yeah. By like, 2 p.m. <sighs> happening. <laughs> yeah. It's just a steady decline from when I wake up to when I go to bed. <laughs> No matter how much caffeine I pour down my throat, it's it's not getting yeah. better as the day goes. I'm like nonverbal after 8 p.m. Like just oh. sitting on the couch and like watch TV because there's nothing coming mm-hmm. out. <laughs> there's no articulation of thought, nothing. Oh, without a doubt. If my phone rings at 8.30 and it's a family member, my answer is no longer hello, is, is someone dead? And <laughs> then if it's not like, okay, cool. This is all the energy I have, what? <laughs> we'll talk tomorrow. Yeah, call me call me at like noon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like stop responding to text messages at a certain point, not just because I like don't I can't. I don't have the brain capacity to formulate a response. Yeah. So if I can avoid, I mean, if it's I think when I was working full time, I had to be more productive. So like sit me down at 8 p.m. and I did write because I had to. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I feel like 
I don't want to wish to be busier than I am because I am pretty busy, but I think the more I have on my plate, the it forces me to be focused. Yeah. And if I don't have to be focused, forget it. I will, I will not, <laughs> if there's no yeah. requirement, then yeah. Well, and you build your own schedule now. Now you, yeah. you can <laughs> say my work has to be done at the top of the day because by 8 PM, like you yeah. said, nonverbal. Yeah. <laughs> So switching gears a little bit, I want to talk about the cover of this book. It's it's beautiful. It immediately caught my eye. I love a good cover. There's like that pop of pink and red. And I'm wondering if you had a lot of input in the design or how that came about. So this is actually the second cover. So um, the original cover was like fur and a necklace, a moon necklace. And, um, we had launched that one and that was it. And then, uh, it got changed, um, which is like a publishing industry thing I hadn't come run up against before, but, um, we wanted it to look more like the cackle paperback cover, um, to complement that cover. So, uh, we went back to the drawing board, which was, exciting and scary (laughs) because you get attached to a cover and then um it's gonna change and I was like well am I gonna like it as much and then um I'm very very fortunate to have a team that listens to my feedback and um will like eased me through the transition um and I am so in love with this cover (laughs) there's such talented designers at Berkeley um, I've loved all my covers so far, and I think this cover actually is better suited to the book than the original. Um, and it's, I think it is very striking and I love an illustrated cover. I think it's very modern and, um, I love the, a werewolf novel on the front because it feels very like old school creature feature, um, so it was kind of a, a bit of a journey to get here. And there was a time where I was like, I don't want to change the cover, but now we did. And it's like, all right, sometimes you got to let go and trust that they know what they're doing because they do. <laughs> and um, I, I'm very grateful and really excited. And I, I do think it's going to look good on the, on the socials. <laughs> It'll yeah. be great in the feed. <laughs> it's going to be great. It was I love the colors and I talk about book covers a lot because it's, it's something I enjoy. I love the cover design. Obviously you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover and that whole thing, but I, it's what first catches your attention. And I will say that this, when I first saw this cover, I was like, Ooh, yes. To all of it immediately. So um, (laughs) shout out to the team at Berkeley for designing a beautiful cover. They designed two. Be- mm-hmm. They designed one beautiful one and then they up themselves. So <laughs> I'm very, and I'm, I'm very particular with covers too, where I'm just like, the stakes are so high um, because it does matter. And, you know, you can say, don't judge a book by its cover, but it matters. And sometimes a cover is going to be what draws you to the book. So um, yeah, I, I'm very, very lucky. Exactly. I'm always curious as well, just like how you even get to that point. There are so many things you could you know, put on a cover of a book based mm-hmm. on the story that I, I'm always so fascinated by, like if there are multiple covers or even like the difference in covers between markets, you know, like there's always like a US cover, a UK cover and yeah. how similar or different those are. And UK cover of such sharp teeth is really cool. 
So I'm excited for that one to come out too. I was like, it's always interesting too when it's two different covers for the same book and they're both like perfect. It's like, and I always feel obnoxious as an author because they do come to you and say, what do you have in in mind? And you're always just like, well, I want something edgy and contemporary. And I'm just like, they must think I'm so annoying. They're the experts. So like you can have some ideas and input, but ultimately it'd be like, you know, if you were a chef and someone was like, so a little bit pepper, a little bit, salt, you know, you don't want to like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, they, I appreciate them coming to me, but I always feel like the most annoying person alive to be like, well, have you thought of this? It's like, they, they are professionals and always... you are an armchair <laughs> expert. <laughs> But I do always kind of think of it as like they want to try to capture the vibe from you in like three sentences of what do you think of if you had to see this book packaged? You know, how is this wrapped up in a PR box? And then you can go like, yeah, I want a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper and a little <laughs> bit of garlic powder. And I'm I'm going to be pretty happy. And they'll go, we'll do a little better than that. We'll, we'll bring in the Michelin star, but <laughs> I can uh, curate a vibe. Like, exactly. if you want me to curate the vibe, I'll curate the heck out of the vibe. <laughs> oh, curate. The, that is how I have here at the office, I finally found the way to talk to our web designers. And they're like, okay, Joe, I need you to give me the vibe you want from this. And go, oh, you want a vibe? Okay. <laughs> and then I'll send over like five buzzwords and they'll go, okay, I somehow really understand what you want. So go ahead, go forth and like curate the vibe. <laughs> but speaking of design and your your last book and a lot of other, you know, kind of spooky things, do you have a favorite tarot card? Completely out of left field as the as one of the tarot lovers on the pod, uh, do you have a favorite card or one that speaks to you the most? The world. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or the Wheel of Fortune. I was going to say, think... Wheel of Fortune is is one of my go-tos. Um. If I get either of those cards, I get very excited. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I get swords a lot. I think maybe because I'm indecisive. <laughs> so I'll draw a lot of swords that are like, make your decision. Um, but yeah, I, I love tarot. So um I haven't I I went I always go through phases where I'll like get up it's early an and draw and, a card yeah. and journal and then um I'll I'll get away from it because I'll hit snooze or something for one day and then forget it. <laughs> I've created a terrible precedent. Um, but now, now I want to get back to it. Cause I do feel like, I mean, I have a book coming out, so that's probably why I'm anxious, but I have felt mm-hmm. like, bleh, like icky and anxious lately. So maybe yep. every time I get that way and I return to my tarot practice, then I'm like, I feel way more I feel balanced, centered. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's funny to feel in control when uh, you actually don't have control because it is totally random, but you are in control of that, that moment of your day to center. And as a a Scorpio who gets a lot of wands, uh, (laughs) I feel it. I feel it. And a sense of like reflection, just to like sit Mm -hmm. down and think about what's going on in your life. It just gives a, gives a sense of control. So it's a moment to say, like, what did happen before? What am I feeling right now? Because sometimes someone reframing it for you, even if it is just those cards saying, this is what's happening in your life right now, it's a great moment to go, oh, I am feeling that. I can fact check and say what's, what is true and what am I kind of blowing out of proportion. Yeah. 
but the yeah. world and the wheel of fortune those are some good choices i'd i'd have to say the wheel of fortune and the high priestess that's oh those, yeah those are usually when i'm i'm that's when i'm in like a good spot that's when <laughs> the vibe is has been curated already immaculately <laughs> immaculate vibe <laughs> true immaculate vibes only so outside of this book what is your go-to spooky season book recommendation so this season i would have to say house of hunger by alexis henderson Mm -hmm. Uh, the year of the witching is also a perfect spooky season book plain bad heroines by emily m danforth um ghost eaters by clay mcleod chapman just came out that one is like he writes scary books Mm -hmm. he's the nicest human being you'll ever meet and then you read his books and you're like help me they're very scary um so that's a great one that one is very spooky season like it's halloween get your ghost eaters out um yeah there's so um paul bearers club by paul tremblay has been a favorite of mine recently um that one's not like ghost pepper scary but it is like it is there are moments that are are scary so it depends on like what kind of spooky season you want. You're trying if you to want have, like a yeah. cozy spooky season, you know, maybe a more uh, an Alexis Henderson. I mean, her books aren't cozy, but it, they're less like downright terrifying than like a ghost eaters. Um, but yeah, I love right. <laughs> there's is there is there nothing better than recommending a book to somebody and having them read it? It's the best feeling in the world. Truly, I take my Rex very seriously. (laughs) I don't blame you. Are you trying to have a cozy spooky season or a house of leaves spooky season? Like which way are we going? I, I, I like to start out with cozy, like September. Just ramp up slowly. I'm super basic. Give me my PSL. Mm -hmm. Like let's get me under a blanket. I'll read something, you know, that's not going to terrify me. But as we get closer to Halloween, that's Mm -hmm. when I want to be very scared. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> I think that's so true. And Paul Tremblay had some nice things to say about this book. How did oh. that feel to see the 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 comments from from that? I loved his comments about this book. I feel like he really encapsulated the essence of of what I think and hope uh, was being conveyed. But just how you know, he said the wounds that transform us against our will at the end of his quote. And um, of course he did. He could just perfectly articulate everything. Yeah. The things that we go through without our, you know, without necessarily our say um, that we just kind of have to deal with and, and change us as we try to work through them. Yeah. I like, I'm tearing up a bit. Think like when I got that blurb, just because, you know, he's such a hero. And for me, in terms of his books and to see, to get that quote from him and to just like to have somebody you admire so much, even read your work is just, um, is mind blowing. And, uh, it was hard too, because I love all of his books, but the Paul Bearers Club was like, you know, when a bowl, a book you read, just like you feel it in your soul. Like that's how I felt about that book. And then, um, I met him in person like a few weeks after and uh, he like walked in and I was eating a mozzarella stick and I was just like, this is not how I wanted this moment to go. <laughs> he didn't notice, but I was like, my, the author of like my new favorite book is in the room and I have cheese <laughs> in my, like, you know, a mozzarella stick when the mm-hmm. cheese is just, yeah, it was one of those moments. 
with the line of cheese, <laughs> mozzarella stick in hand, <laughs> just like seeing your hero walk in and you're just like, oh, put this away. I think I was able to kind of clear myself to give like a cool, like, hey, nice to meet you. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Walk and off the marinara. Yeah. <laughs> and like every author that like I was sitting across the table from Almakatsu, who I admire tremendously and just the nicest, most down to earth people you could ever imagine. And and yeah, and she blurbed my first two books and, you know, she's another. So it it never gets old. And I, I just and Clay, I admire so much. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know how to be out among these people because I'm just like it blows my mind that my favorite books came out of their brains and now they're just sitting at a table with me with me and they (laughs) and they count you as one of their peers i mean this quote alone shows that like hey you're you well you're welcome at this table so definitely just like revel in that soak it in i'm I'm the kind of person where my emotions get beyond a certain point i just start crying like happy Uh tent whatever just like any kind of it's just if i'm above a certain level it's tears Mm -hmm. and whenever i think about that I just am like, I need to like go lay face down somewhere and have a cry because <laughs> just is, yeah, it's, it's, it's bananas to me, but I, I'm, I'm very lucky and they're all very, very generous. So. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. You say that. Cause I feel a little bit like that about this podcast, <laughs> getting to talk to the authors of these books that, you know, we are lucky enough to read and enjoy. It's so cool. And it, it never gets old. And I don't know if the shine of of that like fan name over authors that you admire will ever go away. I hope it doesn't. Mm-mm. And they're all so nice too. I just, yes. it just, you know, I don't know why it, I always assume like people who have achieved a certain level of success or who have such talent won't be so accessible, but um, yeah, it's really special. It's the best part about being a book lover. Yeah. It's Absolutely. really cool. And I love the, the, the way in which I think maybe the last couple of years has, has allowed authors to find even more avenues to connect to their readers. Um, just given like all of the, you know, logistics of the pandemic, but having like more interaction on social media or more virtual interaction or like your podcast interviews and stuff. It's really fun to feel that little bit of connection to authors. Like I love when we do, um, when you have like a zoom virtual event or something and you see the author in their house, it's like that (laughs) added layer of like, Ooh, okay. Look at their bookshelves. What's happening. It's, it's like a little peek into, you know, them as, as people. And I think it's really cool. Yeah. And just where art came from, like you wrote this book in that space. That's (laughs) cool to me. And yeah, all of it's so interesting. And And I love the insight into like their life and yeah. There's just so many good ways to be a nerd about books. (laughs) Yeah. That is the best way to put it. Yes. You can be excited about every component and just like gobble it up like a really good mozzarella stick. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Oh God. <laughs> We're gonna use that as a as a metaphor now for all things going forward. I'll take it. <laughs> so I know that such sharp teeth comes out in a few days, but I'm gonna already jump ahead and bother you about if there's anything else that you're working on now. If there's anything that you can tell us about. So there is a book four 
uh, I haven't started editing it yet, um, but I'm sure my edits are imminent, um, which I'm just choosing not to think about right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, book four is a little bit different. I try and do something a little bit different with each book um, to challenge myself and just to not fall into a into a um, into a rut. Um, and so book four is kind of like, again, I haven't edited, edited someday. I, I will say that eloquently. I haven't started edits yet, so it could change, but right now it's kind of a more intense family drama that was like equally inspired by like Ari Aster movies. And then also the like absolute off the wall baddiness of like malignant where it's like, what is happening? That yes. kind of like, I love, I love a bit of camp. Like I love a bit of horror camp um, as much as I love like the more like art house Ari Aster stuff. So this book kind of sits in between that space um, where it's, you know, got the the family drama and the intensity, but also like the like, oh yeah, we're in like a fun horror space um so yeah that's that's sort of the vibe of book four and so I I just wanted to write something super fun um and yeah I I love like a I, I think such sharp teeth feels like a popcorn book like where it's just like it has the experience of being like a creature feature and having it be a fun and that's why I had so much fun writing it that I wanted to take that to book four where I was like I'm gonna have myself a good time <laughs> and I hope the readers have a good time I I love that and those vibes falling somewhere between like hereditary and yeah, malignant like, that's exactly what I was point. going for okay can't wait <laughs> we'll make sure to have you back to talk about that because that that's where my that's where my love falls without a doubt um what is your go-to cafe order um it's been a while but I would say like some kind of flavored latte like a maple latte okay and um I go like if the scone looks good if the scone Mm -hmm. looks like a (laughs) I'm not gonna say the m word on this podcast (laughs) because some people hate that word (laughs) if it doesn't look dry Mm -hmm. I'll go with that then I would go for a scone like a a blueberry scone Mm. a chocolate chip scone um, but if the scone looks like it's going to crumble to dust, then probably a muffin. I love that. You can you or can mozzarella usually tell stick. No, yeah, mozzarella stick at the at the local coffee shop. Yeah, I'll take you a can... maple latte and an order of mozzarella sticks. I did notice do... they had um there was a Starbucks that I was at, I think it was in a Barnes and Noble, and they were like, We have chicken nuggets. And I was like, What? I don't know Who if I love brought this. Or in their I hate air this. fryer and just said we're gonna we're gonna pull out All some dino nuggies. Yeah. The Barnes and Noble Starbucks cafes have the widest assortment of foods. There's like, like cheesecake factory pizza, cheesecake, yeah, baked goods, <laughs> chicken nuggets, like paninis. I feel like every time I go there, the offerings are totally different. I feel like the chicken nuggets is like a kid thing. Yes. I wouldn't be above it. Listen. Oh. Without a doubt, I'd be ordering them right there with you. I think they're one of those, like, we proudly serve kind of situations. Yeah. Like, like they are licensed to sell Starbucks coffee, but they're not actually like a Starbucks. Starbucks Mm -hmm. Oh, that's what a wild thought. Now I'm now I'm going to think about that for a minute. Just chicken nuggets for sale at the Starbucks. With a latte. Yeah. 
<laughs> and a maple latte. That's like a perfect fall answer. And also a very like Western New York answer. You can tell you're like right under, right under I, Canada. I've, it's just saying bring I've in been, the maple. <laughs> I've been here three years and I'm it's now changing. there's maple syrup in my veins. <laughs> it's all it takes. I love that. So to wrap up, I'm interested to know if there's anything that you would want readers to take away from this book. I I strive in all my books for it to be something that people can relate to and to sit down and be like, I felt that way, to feel a little bit less alone in in your life or your experiences. That's something I really strive for. Um that relatability, but also just for it to be a good time. Like I, we all are so desperate to just have a good time and we all deserve it. It's been a rough few years. And so I want it to feel super fun. Like mm-hmm. you've just like the feeling when you, you know, close a great book, when you walk out of a movie that you love, you know, when you watch the red wedding episode of game of Thrones and that kind of high of like, wow, that was fun. Like that was awesome. <laughs> I want, I want it to be a little bit of that too. I want it to be relatable and to, to entertain the heck out of you. <laughs> That's absolutely beautiful. I love that. Rachel, before we let you go, where can the listeners find you online? I'm at Rach Face Logic on Twitter. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Drunken bar Twitter handle creation. <laughs> In 2011, um, I'm on Instagram at Rachel Harrison's Ghost, which was a marketing creation. Love it. <laughs> the difference of handles. And then um, my website is rachel-harrison.com. Um, come say hi. I'm a goof yeah. online. So. But also nice things only, please. <laughs> yeah. If you have anything mean to say, text your friend and mm-hmm. have a nice gossip and get that catharsis out that way. It will deeply hurt my feelings if you say something mean to me. I'm made of glass. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, nice feedback only. Thank you so much for chatting with us about Such Sharp Teeth. This book was fantastic, and I'm excited that readers can get their hands on it Tuesday, October 4th. Thank you so much. This was so fun. And I'm, yeah, I'm going to come back next year. (laughs) I've decided. Yes, please. We will already, like we are the type. We'll tentatively pencil you in. We'll absolutely already have it in our calendar. As a Virgo. I love it. Love to see it. (laughs) Virgo rising. So yeah, just, we like a, we like a good plan, but we'll already tentatively pencil you in for next morning. Yeah. We're sharp. Exactly. For when we still have hot coffee. Yeah. Maple lattes and chicken nuggets early in the morning. We're ready to do it. I'll be ready. (laughs) I will be ready. Thank you so much. This was fantastic. We're so grateful that you came on to talk to us again. Thank you. This was so fun. Thank you so much. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an evergreen podcast signature program. To learn about other evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcast.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer, Jill Grunewald, and Joe Skelly, and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. There is no hood like parenthood. When you meet a fellow parent, you just kind of get each other on a whole nother level. 
Hi, I'm Kanika Chadha Gupta. I'm a former CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins, and host of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast. I interview change makers on their life lessons, legacy, and superpower of intuition, aka their mom sense and dad sense. I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Join my tribe at thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chadda Gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you.